Topping Talks. Five hours a week can't be beat. Welcome to Topping Talks. Topping Talks is a Topping Tribune production, and today's episode is proudly sponsored by Topping Technologies and ExpressVPN. Topping Technologies is a IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. I have to say he's quite handsome and brilliant. <laughs> if you're a business in Texas and could use a hand, you can reach us at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also, are you part of the 3.6% of Americans who still care about their privacy? If you are, then perfect. ExpressVPN can assist. Even though 96% stats are made up on the spot, ExpressVPN does give a 100% satisfaction guarantee with a 30-day money back. Now, without further ado, I'm proud to say I'm interviewing the current executive director of VP and IT services, Ahmed. Hi. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So I know it's kind of a cliche open-ended question, but how do you get into IT? Oh, well, we're going to start with that <laughs> one, right? Um, it's pretty interesting. Um, I truly believe I you know, kind of got into the IT world um, pretty much ac- accidentally. Um, you know, a little bit of background on, on, on my career. I mean, I started my career, my, you know, my big boy office job as a uh, small business consultant. And, um, you know, we worked with a lot of different industries and uh, a lot of the things that I really focused on was the market research and analytics and how we can empower entrepreneurs to utilize these data so they can expand their businesses and grow them, right? Absolutely. <coughs> from, a, uh, from a focused perspective, we really focused on what we called, you know, it's a term that we use, second stage companies, and it's really those small businesses that they're about to make it to that second stage of their growth. It's just they're not able to do so with the resources that they have in-house. So that's when we come in as a team. You know, we did a variety of things. We did um, industry benchmarking. Um, We really wanted to evaluate their financials and compare them to the industry. Uh, We used a lot of cool tools and a lot of different technologies, which was fun. You know, one of the one of the tools that we used did a really good job of comparing your financials and your P and L versus the industry um, kind of standards with a similar size company and also within a similar region. So really, for us, we utilize a lot of those different technologies to help entrepreneurs kind of expand and uh, find new opportunities. The market research is, is fairly obvious, right? You know, you. Uh, you look at different segmentations. You're trying to identify your top tier customers, right? Uh, you're trying to identify their psychographic behaviors and what drives them to buy products. And then you create that profile where you're able to go in and, and target more of your top tier customers. So that's how I started my career. Then, you know, I got the opportunity to work with another organization that they wanted to create a very similar uh, program um, that was specified to a certain area. And, you know, we just came in and created another uh, small business consulting um, and helped the director at the time. And we added similar functions. Uh, right after that, I, I kind of morphed into continuous improvement world. And, you know, the Lean Six Sigma Black Belt, you know, the Toyota methodology and 
and finding ways to become more efficient. And the reason why that made a lot of sense because of the experience that I had working with multiple different entrepreneurs in multiple different industries. That being said, continuous improvement really, it's about finding ways to become efficient, right? It's reducing the waste, it's cutting down the inefficiencies and increase your performance, not necessarily by attracting more revenue, but it's eliminating the waste and the costly things that you can kind of get, you know, do away with. So naturally, as you can guess already, a lot of that requires new technologies, you know, new softwares, new applications to automate, uh, to reduce, you know, manual errors, uh, so on and so forth. And, you know, we implemented a lot of different products for the businesses that we supported. So that was a lot of fun. And then really became an executive over the enterprise project management office. And, you know, that role was, you know, geared towards becoming a um, kind of a, the executive over all the projects uh, for the organization. However, most of the projects were IT related, uh, right? Because, <laughs> you know, in this world, you know, it's, it's everything is related uh, to, uh, to information technology and innovation. And um, essentially, we got grouped within the IT organization and became the executive director and vice president of IT services. And, and that's how kind of I, I morphed into IT, you know. One thing that we did speak about before the session was, you know, I have a marketing degree, I have yeah. an MBA. You know, I, if you asked me when I was in college, am I going to be in the IT field? I would have said, probably not, right? <laughs> um, but it worked out, and I'm I'm very passionate about it. It makes a lot of sense. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's just been very very exciting ride. And it seems like marketing and IT and IT security are probably two or three of the most complex Rubik's cubes in life. There are so many variables that go into them. And if you stand still, you'll get left behind because it's just always changing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would agree, especially marketing. I'm, I'm very passionate about it. You know, I always, you know, used to say for, for you know, it's kind of my response to people when, when they say, if you build it, if you build it, they'll come. Yeah. And my response is always, well, not if you don't tell them, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, so marketing, exactly. like you said, is, extremely complex there's multiple different you know disciplines Uh, there's the research side there's the advertising side there's the public relations now social media e-commerce those are all i mean just that one those are all individual jobs too like a lot of these big companies or a lot of businesses they have someone in charge of social media Mm -hmm. because you have to have dedicated resources because those topics alone are so so big and complex yeah i i completely agree they're it's, it's kind of like, hey, I'm in IT, but which part of IT are you in, right? Yeah. S- a security or a CISO have a completely different talent for, you know, a VP of, of uh, maybe infrastructure or applications, right? So I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And it, it's always important to have so all those different opinions because sometimes different positions have completely opposite priorities because mm-hmm. it's kind of cliche to say, but in some instances, the more security, usually the more, sometimes more the burden on employees and sometimes the harder it is to do things because you're making it more secure. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's inherently a double-edged, you know, double-ended or a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you make everyone happy? How do you bring it all together so that you can accomplish the business goals but still stay secure? And yeah, I could talk about marketing all day. It's just so <laughs> like, have <laughs> yeah. you ever heard of my favorite example? 
when someone tells me, you know, marketing doesn't really matter. My, one of my favorite examples, liquid death. Have you heard of them? Mm-mm. It is literally water in a can. Okay. And now it's a multi-million dollar company based out of California. So liquid death. I got to look them up. Oh, yeah. It's, I'm not going to lie. It is kind of delicious. I did give in to the marketing shtick once and kind of got me hooked. I use it for <laughs> corporate events. But like even that, uh, that I should have brought one on the table next time. But one of the small details, most energy drinks, like if you go to the store and you buy a Rockstar or a Monster, they're all 16 fluid ounces in capacity mm-hmm. made by Ball being the manufacturer of the can. Mm-hmm. So they're all the same height. But Liquid Death is 16.9 ounces, so it's a half a centimeter or half an inch taller than all the cans. <laughs> so just on the shelf alone, it stands above the rest, so it catches your eye. Oh, it's fascinating. It catches your eye. Wow. It's brilliant marketing. So it's an energy drink. Oh, no. It's just it's just water. It's just water. Just a, a can of water. That's it. Yeah. For a buck ninety nine at Walmart. Or oh, man. Just, just now, a couple years after they started the business, now they have a couple flavors. For the longest time, it was just plain water or the black can is carbonated water. Okay. I yeah. got to try that. Yeah. Well, shoot. We'll grab one in the fridge on the way out. But okay. yeah, made in Austria. Fun ADHD business fact. They get their water fresh from the plants over there or some mountain, I'm sure. But yeah, it tastes pretty good. And that's like 98% is marketing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with that. Marketing can be extremely powerful. To any industry, really. Absolutely. And, and of course, you always have to have IT to to support it. I remember there's a last one of the Super Bowl ads had the QR code where everyone was clicking and having their phones on the TVs and the website crashed. Oh, yeah. Because they didn't talk IT and marketing working together. Although some with conspiracy theories they did on purpose, they could say, (laughs) oh, yeah, we had so many people visit the website. It crashed. That's good, right? It's like that's one marketing curve or one shtick you could kind of say, sure, like new Coke. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, these things happen, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, th- these things certainly happen. And I mean, out of curiosity, what are your th- I know another open-ended question, but I mean, how much have you seen IT transform with digital transformation throughout your career, and where do you see it going? Oh, yeah, digital transformation, <laughs> right? It's such <laughs> a, you know, I mean, I'm sure most of the listeners and you would agree that it's such a buzzword, but it's a buzzword for a reason, right? I mean, it's such a... It's a thing. Yeah. Um, so digital transformation, you know, I guess uh, the way, you know, you can define it multiple different ways. For me, the way I define it is, is uh, you know, finding ways to digitalize processes. You know, I have a Lean Six Sigma background, like we talked about, from a continuous improvement yeah. process improvement perspective. And the more you can digitalize the process, the more you can, you know, eliminate the manual effort, the better. Right? So Absolutely. A lot of organizations do not invest proactively in technology, and in certain cases, they can find themselves behind the eight ball where they're so far behind that you have to do twice the amount of work and twice the amount of transformation in order to just catch up with the organizations that have been doing it kind of proactively, right? So, yeah, don't let that kind of sneak up on you. Digital transformation is something that we should always be considering, be thinking about. Uh, we should always looking, you know, be looking for ways to automate not just our processes but our tools and the flow of information. You know, one thing that I was really excited about, and I'm not going to take credit for this, but I am a big proponent of automation and transformation, but 
you know, one of my team members came up with this great idea to utilize the Power Automate tools, which is it's a open source, right? Yeah. Kind of a citizen developer type of deal. And they actually automated our whole project management office flow. You know, they kind of created a form and you go in there and you, you put in the the request and what the project is and it eliminated so many manual steps that it was just it was just crazy good, right? I mean, the form translated to our Microsoft Teams. That's where we kept all our folders. It's kind of like the the centralized truth, right? Right. Um, you know, we had pretty important and pretty specific governance because it's so important. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can share our files in one centralized location, but it, it automatically pulled in all the files. It automatically put in, in the right orders. It notified the project managers, the BAs. It notified the folks that needed to be involved based on the type of project and who the customer was, right? It created a preliminary charter. I mean, it just saved us so much time and it was automated. And what was really cool about it the most was we were growing so fast. You know, when I first became the executive director of that team, we had about four, I I think it's four, maybe five PMs. Um, Today we have about 25. Oh, wow. So you can see we were continuing to onboard new talent. Mm -hmm. And for us, we're going so fast, we got to catch up. Um, it was really nice to automate some of these processes because it really even cut down of our training and onboarding time frame, right? Yeah. So we were able to have a PM instead of going through two weeks of onboarding and them really understanding the process, the different steps that they have to make, maybe they can get done in a week and they can hit the ground running, right? Right. So if you look at it from all different angles, it's... Uh, it's pretty interesting. And this is just a, a very simplized, very straightforward example of how you can transform your processes, right? But the other side of that coin, digital transformation could be more on the innovation side, mm-hmm. right? And that's a completely different topic. Yeah. <laughs> and it's something very exciting, but it could also be translated as a buzzword. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a that's a tough thing in IT. There's so many buzzwords. Kind of like the cloud. It's like, what is the cloud <laughs> to you? I mean, it's, yeah. it's always very important because, like a lot of things, it means different. It, everyone you ask, if you ask 100 people, you're gonna get you know 100 different answers. Yeah. You know what? Uh, somebody very smart told me before. You know, do you know what AI means? And I was like, well, I mean, I feel like it's a trick question because you know, AI is AI, right? Artificial um, intelligence. And they're like, well, it really means that, you know, we're going to give you AI, but somebody's actually, another human is doing the work instead of you, right? <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, all these buzzwords. True AI is is not um, as common as we think. Uh, yeah. Obviously, there are certain areas where AI is, is very helpful and actually works properly, but there are certain companies that they will, advertise that they have an oh. AI solution. Oh, yeah. But they really <laughs> have somebody offshore doing all the manual work, right? Yeah. So it's it's very similar as how you translate it. That's also one of the 
difficult things with marketing when you're working with IT solutions and vendors is, you know, marketing might have a very fancy slick one pager, but how do they do in a POC and how does that actually, how's technology work more importantly for your specific company mm-hmm. or business? Yeah. Cause one tool might work perfectly here, but fall flat on its face here just cause environment, cultural, there's too many variables to keep track of. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Culture is certainly a big thing. Oh, absolutely. And then how, what are the current things you see in IT in terms of challenges and as well as opportunities? Well, you know, not to point out the obvious, but it's, it, it, it's, it's certainly on everybody's mind, right? Hiring and retention is certainly one of the biggest challenges that we see right now. Mm-hmm. And um, it, there's just so many different variables, um, especially when you add the geography of the DFW Metroplex, right? Yes. So here are some of the variables that I see. And please chime in if I miss anything because just there's just a lot. But the main ones, I would say, there was the great resignation, yep. which we all are trying to figure out what that was about. Yeah. Right? I'm, tr- I'm really trying to still understand how that is a thing. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, you certainly understand the basics, but to dive down deep, I've, I'm trying to relate in a way that I can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still pretty surprising. Yeah. Um, you also have another variable of remote work and many organizations across the U.S. and even internationally are willing to have you 100% remote. Um, so the the dynamics of the job market are just, ev- you know. Everything's changed. Everything has changed. <laughs> Everything is fair game. Yeah. And, you know, you do worry about the folks um, and the companies that say, no, we're going to be on-site 100%, we're going to get back to it. Yeah. I really don't know. I, I just don't know how they can get away with that, right? Uh, I think, kind of, kind of touch you back on the culture, I think that will exist for very specific industries because I'm trying to think, like, maybe the companies like Lockheed or Raytheon, like, some of those applications in manufacturing where you need someone in the building, but it is hard to think of a compelling business reason to have physical assets, you know, in the corporate office full time mm-hmm. across the board. Like most company yeah. clients I'm working for or working with, they're all hybrid. It's, you know, they have mm-hmm. the office if you want, or if you feel more efficient working in the office, more comfortable, that's always going to be the option. Mm-hmm. So they're almost, a lot of them are actually building new offices almost in like a hotel style where you have like the mm-hmm. unassigned desks. Or like space, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And that's kind of, kind of the best of both worlds. No, I agree. And, and and that was my point, right? Across the board is the key here, right? I mean, there will always be. So, for example, one of my teams are the service desk and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, there are desk side support. Yeah. So they have to be in the building, right? They right. will get, you know, dispatched into someone's office or someone's, yep. you know, right. operations and they will have to fix an, a physical issue. Mm-hmm. That's different. Absolutely. You know, but when you have your you know, project managers and and some of the desktop engineering teams and security teams, you know, if they can do it remotely, you know, they will certainly prefer to do it, especially in IT. Oh, yeah. You know, marketing, you know, is a little bit different. Finance could be a little bit different. Marketing, you like the interactions you like, the, it, yeah. but you're talking about a completely different fabric of personalities. True. And it, it just, it is what it is. Call yeah. it back a duck, right? Um, IT folks are... You know, for the most part, not everybody, but for the most part, are introverted, right? Uh, they are hyper focused on the screen. They want to get it done, and they get lost in the, their own world. And 
silence is a virtue and if they're in their own space home that's where they're probably going to do their best work yep. so from an it perspective that's very very challenging it's uh, i would argue it's more challenging than any other you know industry um out there the third thing is this is more specific to the dallas area is that i am so happy and grateful to be in in, in, a, in such a region that is extremely aggressive and in, in terms of business recruitment and is such a business friendly state absolutely that being said it is creating some of the complexities from a hiring and retention perspective because you have so many companies that are always relocating here and finding tough finding talent is becoming tougher and tougher so i just give you three high level <laughs> variables and they're all contributing to the uh to that complexity oh and it's not it's not going to slow down anytime soon i know caterpillar recently announced they're moving their yeah. headquarters to texas and there's a lot of businesses i think are either going to be compelled to or with their fiduciary responsibility to the shareholders they're going to be forced to move to more business-friendly states where you can get a better roi for the shareholders and decrease the cost and the plus side is there's a lot of talent moving to dfw but there's also unprecedented demand for it mm -hmm. so a lot of our projects these days are trying to help them offset some of those tasks automate some of those tasks so we, it's not a part of the agenda anymore and just trying to keep up and more importantly get ahead of the curve and ahead of the digital transformation keep supporting and propelling the businesses oh man i mean it, it's been a long time coming too right so they've done it such a phenomenal job i mean anybody right any state can come out and say we're going to be business friendly we're going to do tax breaks we're yep. going to you know invest money for you to come and relocate but i mean there was a methodology behind what the state of texas has done is you know it's infrastructure it's yep. it's uh you know, great housing, right? There is just a lot of different um, safety. I know a lot of folks are moving to Frisco. Like, absolutely, a couple of years in a row is rated the safest city in North America mm -hmm. by some article I can't remember. But <laughs> yeah, so safety is a big deal. Absolutely, oh, yeah. uh, the amenities. You, you know, there's a lot of things for you know kids and families. You know, to do. Uh, you know, shopping. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, schools. The school system is great. Absolutely. Uh, you know the roads and it, it just it's all interconnected and now as a as an indirect effect you know a lot of people are wanting to be here yep. and people are talent and companies are going to go where they can find talent because it's cheaper yep you see what i mean Absolutely. so it just it's i mean they've done such a phenomenal job i mean i'm just very impressed right i lived in oklahoma for a while mm -hmm. and i moved down to the DFW area about, you know, three years ago, and it just is. I've been impressed every single day. And it, it's just not stopping. What do you like the most, or what was the biggest difference you saw or felt when you moved to Texas? Well, believe it or not, there uh, there's a lot more diversity mm -hmm. um, down here. You know, I can just see it even just in our neighborhood, and when you go out and eat, mm -hmm. I like the diversity. I like to, you know, talk to different people. Right, I'm. Myself, a first-generation American. Oh, awesome. And I'm very proud of it, but it's nice to connect to, you know, other cultures and other folks from, Absolutely. from other regions. Um, so I really like the diversity, but again, I, I like the roads. You know, we're right. both car guys, yep. <laughs> and, and I like having really nice roads. No yeah, you can drive comfortably. 
potholes are, if you're into cars or you have a car, potholes can be a death sentence for an exotic or just oh, any man. car guys. Like every time you run over a bump, you're like, oh. Yeah, I, I uh, and this is going to sound an exaggeration, so, but it really isn't. So, you know, my, my vehicle has very low performance tires what, what kind of vehicle do you have uh, i i drive a tesla oh nice and um and it, it doesn't help that i'm that i drive it pretty quick um but not sure between not sure if you know but between sherman texas and the Durant, oklahoma area mm -hmm. there has been a lot of construction i mean it looks oh, yeah. it looks completely different so there has been a lot of you know, road chips and all kinds of stuff, but there's a lot of potholes. And and the, the disheartening part about it is they know they're going to be fixing those roads eventually, so they're really not attending to some of the potholes right now. Yeah. And in the past, let's say, three months, that might be more easier to consume to our listeners, but I replaced six tires. Six? Yes. Oh, my. So were they just blown out completely? Were they hitting nails or... Um, or, or just all the above? Most, most of it was potholes. So I had Holy a couple of actual blowouts. I had a couple of, you know, when you hit a pothole going at a certain speed, it kind of like bubbles on yeah. the side of the wall, and then the, the tire is just trashed. I'm t I mean, these are brand new tires. Um, I continue to get insurance on them because it's smart. Discount, I, discount tire? Discount they're, tire. They got good stuff. And <laughs> then they're like, oh, man, I don't know if we can give you another insurance, you know, but... <laughs> It just it's it's bad, so I don't want to get off on a tangent when it comes to ca cars and tires, but potholes are, yeah. Well, it's all related. Let's talk about a PS PTSD. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's all interconnected. Tesla made a big announcement. They moved their headquarters to Austin a few months ago, mm -hmm. and I mean, they're shutting down their uh, Silicon Valley office, right? Yeah. So they're still going to have the manufacturer plant for a while, mm -hmm. although we'll see how long they keep it there. If I were a gambling man, I don't know. Those gigafactories are very expensive, but you really depend on how much the taxes are burning the company in their in uh for that factory over in California. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they're the they're the last automotive well, last major automotive company in California because I think was it five or seven years ago Toyota moved from California and they relocated to Plano because of the tax incentive. I think they have fifteen years of no property tax. They brought along like five thousand jobs. Yeah, they. Toyota did a really, really good job, but oh, yeah. but Toyota still has you know manufacturing facilities oh, yeah. kind of across the nation, right? Oh yeah, they have a couple in the Midwest. I know they're they're pretty diversified in their manufacturing. They were one of the first Japanese companies to set up shop here. And kind of going back to, have you read their book? The uh, I believe it's called the Toyota Way. I've heard about the Toyota. Yeah, I, it's, it's very correlated. Yeah. yeah, the Six Sigma. They, I mean, shoot, they. That's why was even Ford or GM. Like before they had manufacturing and really a sales footprint in the U.S., they invited them out to kind of show them the American manufacturing line. And you know, Toyota was like, "Well, how could we? How could we do better?" And you know, they had some mutual agreement and mutual partnerships for a couple of vehicles where they dual branded. I think it's the Pontiac Matrix and Toyota. What was it? There's a Toyota car that is the same thing, but dual badge. So they worked together for a while to learn each from each other. But I mean, talk about a company that. Gosh darn it! They, they if they invented, they perfected the whole process of Six Sigma with their assembly. It's astonishing. Oh yeah, I mean Ford certainly were oh, 
the they original. Were, <laughs> yeah, they were the original. They invented the assembly line, right? Absolutely. Which was Model T. It's it's a it's a transformation, yeah. right? Uh, but Toyota's, you know, one of those companies that is just gonna make it better and they they've have I mean, talk about creating a methodology that could be utilized by other industries. Absolutely. They when you talk about you know, getting it down to a science is an understatement. It's it's a culture thing too. I mean, it's just fascinating where a lot of traditional assembly lines for folks that aren't familiar with, you basically have a product, goes through the process, and at the very end, if something's wrong, mm-hmm. they'll flag it and they'll fix it. Toyota, the methodology, I forget their they have a cool term for it, but if something's in the process line, they empower every employee to make that call where if they see something wrong, they flag it and they fix the problem right then and there on the assembly line, which is very unique at the time. Mm-hmm. And actually it's funny, so Ford Model T, Toyota, I believe, a few years back, the most popular car in history that passed the Model T, Toyota Corolla. Yeah. There's, they've made so many of those. I believe <laughs> it. Yeah. It's a great car. Oh, yeah, you see them everywhere. Yeah, but it's not super exciting, right? No, I, that, and that's interesting. I've seen a couple documentaries on their math, ma- their uh, manufacturing and their methodologies and their processes. And, mm-hmm. I mean, they get the engines so perfectly tuned so that they're reliable. They'll use them for 20 years with different models. Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually really excited. They're one of the few companies that support racing. Because if you buy a new Supra or Toyota 86, you get a free one-year membership to NASA or North America Track Association. Really? I believe is the acronym. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool. They actually have they have their own, um, not booth, um, they have their own garage um, facility at Eagle Canyon over in, uh, I believe it's Crescent. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's they have a great program. And they, they get free rides, too. It's like if you're hanging out at the track, they have a program where, you know, you sign the waiver, you get into the car, a professional Toyota driver yeah. will drive you around the lap in the new Supra. Oh, that's cool. Oh, it's, it was beyond breathtaking. I'm even more excited. They listen to the consumers. They're going to come out with the third pedal. Yeah. That's God intended. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm interested to see what they do in the future. Now, you know, everybody's moving to EVs for the yep. most part. So that will be interesting. We'll see how that goes. It, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, this percentage of stick shift owners drops precipitously every year. I mean, we've gotten to the point where there's only one truck they can buy with a stick shift. Although someone debate the Jeep Gladiator is a truck. Okay, in that case, there's two. But <laughs> yeah. The only other one is a Tacoma. Oh, wow. Yeah, they okay. still make it. At least we're talking about U.S. sales. There's a lot more, you know, in well, overseas. <laughs> it's a very, very different market. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. A lot more popular with the sticks. Yeah. And what, do you, what else do you like to do outside of work besides uh, automotive? Uh, you know, I used to go to the gym a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, not not as much as I would love to, but, but um, I'm certainly going back towards, you know, reigniting that passion again. Yeah, so going to the gym, working out, lifting weights, it's kind of like your happy place. Absolutely. It's it just a, an area where we can just put some music on, be by yourself, right, and get a good sweat in and and relax. Big fan of steam rooms and saunas. and Those are nice. Yeah, big, big fan. I, I go in there. It's kind of like my time to meditate. Um yeah, I, I love shooting, you know, target yeah. practice and, you know, clay shooting or AR-15s, target practice, all that kind of fun stuff. It's it's also fun. You know, it just it's it's just cool, man. You know, I mean, it's it's a, bla- it's a blast. Fun I'm, I'm not a I'm not a hunter. Yeah. Right. So I don't go and, and hunt or anything like that. Um, however, I did go once with 
with one of my really good friends. Um, and we did hog hunting. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. My wife, it's uh, my wife. She's a. She, she's a very protective of animals. Yeah. So when she found out uh, when we were dating, she almost <laughs> broke it up. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but I'll say it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, we uh, we went somewhere. I, don't, I can't even tell you, but it's yeah. far away. You know, he had a deer lease in West Texas. Yep. And, um, you know, we were driving for hours mm-hmm. and uh, we get there around eight o'clock or so at night. Um, so yeah, we, we unload all our stuff and we fire up the grill. Oh yeah. We cook some steaks. We sit down. My buddy's drinking beer. I fired up a cigar. We're having a really good conversation. Yep. It's a really nice chill night. Oh yeah. And, uh, around 11 PM he goes, you ready? And I was like, yeah, we probably, you know, we need to go to bed soon and wake up and kind of get it done. And he's like, no, we're. We're going out right now. <laughs> and I was like, it's pitch black, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, I don't know if you, it's, it's like a deer lease in the middle of nowhere. Yep. You know, hundreds of acres. Oh, wow. And it, you can't see, you know. He's like, don't worry. I got it. So he, he gets out these two uh, night vision helmets nice. and goggles, right? Yeah. And we put them on, and it was just such an incredible experience. I w- I thought I was in a movie. Yeah, right. We were just <laughs> kind of sneaking up and walking around, and you can see they can't see, and it was just, it was a lot of fun. That was a very exciting, exhilarating type of experience. We mm-hmm. we d- you know we use our ARs, yeah. and it was just a lot of fun, right? Um, but but I'm not a hunter, so um, that that was probably I would say that's the only exception. Yep. And I would certainly do it again. I hope my wife is <laughs> watching this. But um, well, it's you're doing a community service. Like a lot, a lot of folks don't know. Right, hogs are the one of the largest detriments to farmers in Texas. All the crops that are lost and all the animals that are hurt. Mm-hmm. They just they reproduce so fast that the natural ecosystem can't. It's out of whack. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of farmers. I know a lot of farmers, or I don't know them, but I have a couple of friends where they actually will get paid by the farmers. Yeah to go out there and take care of that so they don't lose i mean they're losing you know thousands of millions of dollars just because the crops are getting decimated and right just bad yeah now of all times when there's rumors well not rumors everyone's talking about possible food shortages we need as highest a percent yield as possible yeah (laughs) yeah that's also a very interesting topic but yeah no i agree that that's my sales pitch (laughs) that's how i justify it i like it (laughs) well i appreciate you coming on the show i really do man Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me, man. Appreciate you. Thank you, everyone, for taking time to listen. Don't forget to click like and subscribe, share, and you have a great day. Topping Talks.